back to another episode of the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. I'm your host, Tyler Kusinoki, bringing you the unfiltered truth about applying to college in the 21st century. As always, I'd like to take a second to let everyone know that my DMs are always open. My favorite part about doing this podcast is hearing from you. How are you? How are things going with college, with school, with your applications, with everything else? I'd like to know. Send me your questions, concerns, feedback, episode ideas, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, this podcast is a community first forum for achieving better college outcomes. My inbox is for over open at tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. That is tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. All right. Today we're going to dive in a little bit to one of the areas that is probably going to be undergoing a little bit of change in the upcoming few cycles, a few academic years, and that is the AP exams and APs and how they are viewed. The AP exams, for those of you who do not know, they are a series of exams that are created by the college board and they are designed to be college level tests, right? So they are designed to be tests and courses that correspond to probably the intro, like the 101 classes at a university. So the introductory level classes at a university, they are a wide range of AP classes. So uh, you can take everything from Spanish to art history, to US history, to bio, to chem, to physics, right? There is a huge range of AP courses that are on offer. And the APs are referred to as advanced placement. I also refer to them as the anxious parent tests because the APs, given the number of APs there are, the APs are one of those things that has received a lot of information and disinformation about what is the best way to leverage the APs to get into a good college. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the APs today because they are one of these other pieces that that contribute to a college portfolio that are kind of under a little bit of scrutiny at the moment. So I wanted to just talk about those, talk about why they are valuable, talk about their advantages, talk about maybe why we don't need to stress out so much about them, why they shouldn't be the anxious parent test and recommend some pathways forward. Okay. So uh, first of all, to talk a little bit about the AP tests and why they're valuable, the AP tests are, because they are college level, they often represent the pinnacle of what a high school education can provide. In many schools, the AP classes will be the highest possible classes that you can take. And I've mentioned before that colleges care a lot about course rigor, that how difficult of a curriculum you've had, you've decided to pursue, right? How difficult your course of study has been is a huge factor in determining whether or not you're college ready. It is a huge factor in determining your candidacy for a particular program, for a particular university. Since APs represent the highest possible level of education that you could receive in high school, at least in terms of what your high school is offering, APs have traditionally be considered something that you want to have a lot of if you are attending a school that offers those APs. And so that has created kind of this idea that there are there is a metric, there is a certain number of APs that you should be taking if you want to be considered competitive for university. Traditionally, that number has existed kind of around the 10 to 12 area, right? That the goal for a high school student who wants to be considered for the top most competitive universities possible should really be considering trying to go hit that double digit to try to hit that double digit and that usually means because normally you're not allowed to take APs in your freshman year that usually means taking like two in your uh, sophomore year and then taking four and four in your junior and senior year depending on what your 
school allows you to do, and that will get you to a ten. And then, of course, you can take more if you want. And that is certainly valid, right? There's that is one way of very clearly demonstrating that you you have achieved a level of academic mastery. As important, each of these classes, right? Not only will be a class that you take in school, but it will also be a test that you take in May. Most AP tests are around three hours, and they are a combination of multiple choice and free response. These are standardized tests, so everyone around the world takes it at around the same time. There are two testing windows; both of them are in May and bleed a little bit into early June. But every student takes them all at the same time. And so the other reason why APs are considered to be helpful. For a college application, is because there is this standardized global assessment. One of the bigger challenges around for universities when considering a, a student's application is kind of well, what is the context in which they are when in which their academics are achieved? Right, there are certainly teachers and academic institutions that do a ton of grade inflation. Right, so how can I when I look at an A? How do I know that's an A? Really, right?、Um, and the same thing can be true in the other direction. You may have an AP English teacher who, because English is subjective, really fully, truly believes that there is no such thing as a perfect essay, and therefore just doesn't give A's. And so you're going to end up with at max like a B plus or a B. And so, how is a college supposed to look at that and know that that's the reason? Right. Well, one of the ways of making sure that, regardless of the specific context in which your school grade is being determined, at the very least you have this standardized score, this test that is the same for everyone that they can measure you up against. Okay, and so that score, that AP test that you will take in May, is scored out of five. Right, and five is the maximum. Right, and three is the average. So if you get a three, that is what is considered average. That you have an understanding of the topic, and then fours and fives obviously are more ideal than what you should be aiming for. So, those are a couple of the initial values. Right, one is proof of academic rigor. The second is proof of standardized academic rigor, both of which are important. And then the additional benefit for a lot of this is there's a reason why these AP exams are called. Advanced placement. If you receive a five on your AP exam, and in some cases, depending on the university, if you receive a four on the AP exam, what those scores allow you to do? Because remember, I told you that these classes are generally designed to represent the year one level one hundred one classes. Uh, intra-level classes at a university. What some schools will allow is that if you score four or five on this on these exams, you can skip the one hundred one class. You can skip macroeconomics one hundred one. You can skip bio one hundred one, and jump in to start taking more advanced classes. And there are a couple different reasons why this is valuable. Number one, obviously, you get to accelerate your learning. Right, you don't have to spend time. In the intro classes, which are often massive classes of like three to four hundred students, right, and you're going to be learning stuff that you've already learned before. So, on one level, there is acceleration piece, and the acceleration piece therefore comes with a cost piece. Given how expensive tuition is, right. And if you can imagine that each course that you take per semester comes up to around five, six, seven thousand dollars, why would you want to be spending five, six, seven thousand dollars spending taking a class that you could have taken in high school? You should rather be really maximizing the benefit of going to a top tier education by using those opportunities, using each semester to take the classes that you could only be taking at that university. Right? And APs allow you to more quickly gain access to some of that stuff. 
So that is the additional benefit, right? Is that there is is the advanced placement aspect of these exams and these scores and what they will allow you to do in terms of flex flexibility and acceleration once you actually do get to college. Speaking of flexibility, the other reason that APs are important and the other reason that APs are something that I consider a valuable conversation to have regardless of what education system you are in is the flexibility. AP exams and AP classes are one-year courses with an exam at the end. While most schools do require you to register through them for the AP exam, remember that College Board at the end of the day is a business. And so if you want to pay the exam fee and come take the test, even if you're not attending an AP school, they're totally fine with that. You do need to find a test center. You do need to likely find a tutor to help you self-study. But self-study AP is increasingly common now for a couple different reasons. Number one, obviously, is the anxious parent test that I talked a little bit about before is this idea that a lot of families feel that their school's curriculum is not providing enough rigor. They've heard somewhere through some podcast like mine that taking APs is very, very important. And so they, uh, so the student ends up taking a bunch of APs outside of their school curriculum. And you can do that. And there are actually benefits for this because the APs will provide a lot of breadth, right? And so if you are currently attending an IB curriculum or you are attending an A-levels curriculum, right, where for IB, you can only take six classes over the course of two years, right? And then A-levels, you're only taking three at most four classes over the course of two years, right? If you're applying to colleges and colleges really care about seeing that you have a breadth, a breadth of study, not just a depth of study, taking these APs can be a way of demonstrating that breadth, right? And so if for for A-levels, you're really going a hard STEM track, and so you're doing like further maths, and then you're doing biology and chemistry, and then you're also doing like computer science because you are interested potentially in going into computational bio, that's great. But colleges would also like to see that you have some mastery of English, have some appreciation for history, and maybe know a foreign language or two. So you can supplement your in-school academics with APs. You can take an AP English language. You can take an AP French. You can take AP economics. Right? All of these different things. And again, they're one year. They end up with an AP exam at the end. And there are certain... APs that are pretty easy to self-study, right? That you're not going to need a an amazing, brilliant teacher to help guide you through. In general, those are ones that fall a little bit earlier in most curricula. So AP Psychology, AP Human Geography, AP Environmental Science, right? Uh, even the AP Econs, Macro and Micro, many of these can be studied on your own without too much issue because it, by and large, it's mostly about understanding the vocabulary, Right, and understanding some basic terminology. So buying a test prep book right, and making just making sure you have the diligence to push through it will allow you to do pretty well on the AP exams. So that is one of the major benefits outside of, if you have it in your school, one of the major benefits of how the AP is designed is that it can serve to supplement a lot of what you are doing in terms of your education, even if you are attending an AP school, right? There may be things that are 
better, there may be things that your school doesn't offer, A, and there may be things that are better off done at your school because of a teacher recommendation, because there is better guidance, right? BC Calc, I generally don't recommend students self-study BC Calc. It's far better to be doing it in a uh, collaborative learning environment with a teacher properly there to instruct you, right? On the flip side, APCS, right? Um, computer science is, there are so many ways to learn computer science now that are available elsewhere. So maybe then you take your APCS outside of school that frees up a slot for you to pursue something that maybe only your school offers. If your school has signature programs, if your school has a really, really good teacher in a course that um, is really hard to get into, maybe you allow yourself the freedom to still get that AP to demonstrate that you're really concerned with pursuing a direction in computer science, but you now free up a slot for you to take something that you can only take within your school. So the AP system, the way it is designed, is designed to be very flexible, and that is one of its greatest advantages. Okay, please do note, though, that if you are planning on taking self-study, if you're planning on taking outside of the school, you do need to make sure you find a test center that is willing to take you. Most there, unlike the SAT or the ACT, um, the APs are really only offered at schools. If you are not attending a school that offers the AP, you do need to reach out and find schools that are open to what are known as external candidates, right? So external AP candidates, candidates who are coming in and taking it and are not part of the school themselves. You need to secure that and you need to secure that in kind of September-ish, September, October of the academic year that you are planning to take that exam. So if you're planning to take an exam in May, right, you need to secure your spot the previous September or October, generally. You don't need to live in Japan to experience our world-class tutoring and mentorship. At Tokyo Academics, we support thousands of students in over 10 countries, helping them prepare for the SAT, ACT, AP exams, IB, and more. Graduating from top universities like Stanford, Yale, Brown, and UC Berkeley, our tutors will guide you on the path to academic success. Your first step on that path is just a click away. Visit www.tokyoacademics.com and complete our contact form to claim your free trial and get started. We will assess your goals and pair you with a world-class tutor to make you a better college applicant. That's www.tokyoacademics.com. Let's turn your dreams into reality, one lesson at a time. If you are within the East Asia region, there is there are some additional opportunities. Uh, the Fulbright organization in South Korea does allow you to register a little bit late. Um, it is an open exam site. You can register for the AP exam a little bit later, um, latest by March but you can do that and still be able to take an exam there. Same is true for Hong Kong. Hong Kong has, uh, Hong Kong does have options for you to take the exam and register a little bit later. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, well, I can probably just take the AP Japanese now because I'm really good at it or language especially, or I could probably take the APCS because I've looked at it and it looks like it's a pretty straightforward test and you are within these areas, you still may have some options to get that AP on your transcript now. So just know that. 
that there is a timing piece to it that is really, really important. Okay, so I've spoken a lot about the advantages of the AP, and I really do believe in them. I do think that the AP is incredibly valuable. I do think that it is a way to quickly beef up your college application. I think it is also a way for you to really make the most of your college time, right? You got into one of, if you get into one of the best schools in the world, why would you want to use a whole semester taking something that you basically could have taken in high school. Right? So there are many advantages where things become um, annoying for me, right? Where things become kind of frustrating for me is when people start to fixate on the number of APs as this be all end all for whether or not you're going to get into a competitive university, right? The number that I mentioned before, 10 to 12, yes, it's good to maybe aim for that. But I think there is a lot of ongoing discussion now about, you know, whether or not that's actually true, whether or not the rigor that you are pursuing can be identified in other ways. But I also think that it is important to kind of make sure that you are taking APs that matter to you, that you are pursuing academic opportunities that matter to you. A lot of times due to the breadth of the APs, in order to get those 10 to 12, you're going to end up taking APs that have nothing to do with what you're potentially interested in. Is it still worth taking them? Sure, right? Again, to show that breadth. But are you the opportunity cost of taking those APs is the possibility, right, of you know, taking more classes that are more aligned with the areas of interest that you genuinely have. And the other piece is that it puts pressure, right? The moment you turn anything into a the a number that in theory is kind of the golden key to getting in, now all of a sudden you're creating this tremendous pressure on everyone, right? for kids to start comparing, right? And so this is what it's like in high school. How many APs are you taking? Oh, what'd you get on your test? How are you doing? Da, 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 da. And that creates a very, an atmosphere that is very toxic. And a lot of schools have recognized this actually. And many of the top boarding schools in the US, for example, are moving away from AP. They're removing AP from the labels of many of their classes. And instead they're just saying like, you know, if you take this class, you will be equipped with all the knowledge you need to succeed on the AP test. But we're not going to call it AP because we don't want our learning limited to that. And we also don't want students pursuing it just because it has the AP label on it. And that is a trend that is starting to push across, right? There are also that there are also schools that are starting to offer classes that are above the level of AP. The one that is closest to where I'm at is ASIJ, the American School in Japan. They have classes that are run in collaboration with Syracuse University and they are genuine college level courses that are placed above right in their in their in how they describe their classes these super classes right these super joint Syracuse classes are ranked above AP right and so actually now this idea that AP is the maximum of what you can be showing on your curriculum is no longer true. And so really being tied to this idea, if you don't get 12 APs, you're not gonna get into Harvard, that is not gonna be true. And therefore putting pressure and really thinking about it that way is not going to be the most valuable way to be to, to go about things. It's easy because it's a number that you can hit, right? It's a numerical target that you can just aim for, like take 10 APs, it's just a checkbox, it's easy. But it is, I think it is increasingly no longer the super impressive metric that it uh, has always been. 
I think that colleges, of course, will be appreciative of the fact that you took that many, but they ultimately also want to see a story, right? And especially when um, that is no longer the highest level of academic learning that you can ob obtain, at, even within high school, right? Obsessing over that number is not going to be the best way to pursue a strong college application. The College Board and many other universities are starting to recognize this as well. And many of them are starting to come on board and sign uh, basically an agreement right, that they are co-signing this idea uh, that there actually is not a specific number um, that, that actually 10 to 12 is almost too high. One of the things that they're looking at College Board actually did their own research, right, on this. And uh, in one of the most recent reports, basically the analysis of taking more AP courses does not necessarily affect college achievement, right? The analysis found that performing well on more than five AP exams does not markedly alter first-year college grades and four-year degree completion, which, again, while great, right, um, doesn't necessarily affect the admissions piece of it. Like, sure, um, you can say that if you took five or more, right, compared to less, you're not really going to change who you are in terms of your college experience. But what does that have to do with me getting into those colleges to begin with? Not so much. So I'm sure that the pressure will continue to exist. But what I would advise is for you to really take um, into consideration the fact that the like really take advantage of the flexibility of the AP exams. Right, that these are ultimately designed, um, the way that they are designed gives you a lot of opportunities to be very strategic in some of the ways that I've talked about before, right? To utilize these to supplement, to bolster, to um, gain particular advantages, to free up slots, to, to take things that only your school can offer. There are many different ways to use the AP as a way to build a college application profile that is specific to you, that is unique to you, that tells, uh, that gives you the most advantages, right? AP exists as this kind of catch-all, right? Because of its breadth, because of its flexibility, because of the fact that you can take it, even if that you can self-study. All of these introduce options, introduce strategic potential for you to be maximizing, right? And not just maximizing by taking 15 APs, right? But maximizing by understanding how that particular system works and then figuring out how that matches up with all the other systems that you are engaged with as part of your story, as part of your narrative. So the AP exams, great. You should take it. You should take them, right? I do think that they are advantageous, especially if you are considering the advantages of clearing out your first year classes and really jumping into the more advanced classes faster. I think these are incredibly valuable. But as with all these things that, you know, where there are rumors, where there are numbers, where there are, there is pressure around, I always want to push back on not just buying into the hype, so to speak, and blindly pursuing some numerical outcome that has nothing to do with your story that you want to tell with the narrative that is important to you with the passions that you may have as a high schooler right all of these things take time 12 ap's 15 ap's that is a tremendous opportunity cost right always think about what you're giving up and whether or not the things you're giving up might be even better even more important 
for your college application. And if not, great, take a piece if you have nothing else, right? If your school is limited in its course offerings, if you are taking a, if you're in a curriculum that is really pigeonholing you down a particular path, look into APs, try to take them, bolster your application. I think it can be very helpful. But as with all pieces, right? With all possibilities, with all paths, always consider it as a component of your overall strategy, not the be all end all of your application. So uh, always do take these things in with strategy, with your end goal in mind, and figure out your priorities accordingly. Thanks for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusunoki. We hope you enjoyed today's topic on the AP exams. Join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and your platform of choice. Do follow us and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date. We also regularly host events both in person and online. So if you're interested in attending free info sessions with me, real admissions officers, check us out at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That is tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's it for today. And remember, the key to getting in is getting ready. Keep